Good morning, everybody. How are you? Thanks for showing up. I'm highly convinced that you are all here so you can get home in time to do some cooking for the Bears game. No? Oh, sorry, sorry. Same colors. If you can help me, let's just cheer, cheer the Bears on to a victory today. That'd be great. It's been a while. It's been a while. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, my name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Plum Creek, and man, we're glad you chose to spend some time with us. Uh, before I get into my message today, I have a couple things that I need to share with you, and I'm really excited to do this. Uh, if you're new, just bear with me while I kind of walk through this with you just for a second. But starting the weekend of Thanksgiving, every Christmas uh, season, we set aside this time as a church to focus in on really working hard to emulate the heart of our God, who is a giver. And what we do is set a goal together to be able to raise some funds to give away. So 100% of this goes back outside of the four walls of Plum Creek. And I want to give you a little history just so you know kind of where we've been and where we are. In uh, 2017, as we wrapped up the year, our goal was $100,000. <clears> Before the end of the year uh, of two, uh, 2017, $95,372 came in. Isn't that awesome? This is great. So thank you. After the first of the year, a few more gifts trickled in, and we were able to meet our goal of $100,000. Well, uh, in 2018, we set a bigger goal, and uh, we set a goal of $125,000. Again, 100% of these resources go out to our vetted partners around the world, like um, Project Rescue, that's helping to redeem young ladies that have been trafficked. And uh, we, we, we this year set this goal to help be able to purchase a home so that these girls, once they've been rescued, would have a place to go. And then we also have a partner called One Child Matters. And through Plum Creek, we have almost 500 kids that have been sponsored uh, in Honduras and in the Philippines. And so every year, we help with the development of the infrastructure of their facilities that are needed. We also have uh, very, uh, several initiatives here in the Valley that we do here in the Plum Creek Valley to, to uh, help meet needs and reach out to people, things like Laundry Love, the other things that you'll hear about here. So we set a goal of $125,000, big goal, and our challenge was for each of us to just prayerfully consider uh, doing the math and figuring out how much one day of your family's earnings would be, just one day. And what would it look like if one day, we committed to one day, could one day be part of a movement that would change the world? That was our challenge to you. And so we prayerfully prayed and, and, and got involved, and thank you for involving your families and your kids in this. part of the way we celebrate Christmas at Plum Creek. Are you ready for me to be done talking and just tell you? <laughs> All right. Because of your generosity and the decision that we make together to be part of changed lives, changing lives, I am so excited to tell you that this year, $219,396 came in. Yes! That is so awesome! Did you know how fun it's going to be to give that money away? Again, please know, 100% right back out of here. Whoo! God is good. Guys, listen, we can do more. I know we can. And it's so fun. We're going to celebrate and we're going to thank God for this and we're going to bless the socks off our partners and we're going to see God do big things. Won't it be fun to learn the stories of what God does through your generosity? I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. Can you bow your head for a second? Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the difference that we can make together. Who would have ever dreamed that we would be able to raise two, almost $220,000 to give away? God, it's gonna be so much fun. And now, Lord, I pray that you will steward those resources well, that you will use those resources to meet needs as we invest into the ministries of our partners, 
And as we continue to make a difference through our local initiatives here, uh, loving this valley, God, I ask that there will be countless numbers of lives changed because of that. Lord, let this be a blessing to those that are laboring so often in situations where it feels thankless. Help them to know that we are part of this with them. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't that awesome? Uh, as I get started today, I want to show you a painting here in just a second. And um, when we were traveling to Spain to, uh, to learn more about uh, what Project Rescue was doing in Spain, uh, we had an opportunity to go through a couple galleries. Beth loves art, and it's good for me to get some culture. You know how that works. And uh, <clears throat> so we saw some cool paintings uh, while we were there. And I, I want to show you one. This isn't one that we saw, but this is a painting, uh, a pretty famous painting called Checkmate. And uh, in this painting is, is a, a picture that's depicted of, uh, uh, of, of this guy on the table on, on your left that kind of is, is, is like a Satan kind of guy. And you can kind of see he's got some evil. If you look at the picture, you see the spider on the table and you can see the gargoyles up on the corners and it's called Checkmate. And this was actually a painting that was painted from a play where this young man is playing chess for his soul. <clears throat> and this is the moment where he has lost the game. And you can see he's looking uh, exasperated and kind of perplexed as to what his next move might be and just feeling the weight of that. And you can kind of see the uh, other guy on the other side of the table has got this kind of cocky look that makes you want to just kind of wipe it off. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so when I saw this painting, it kind of made me think of life a little bit, and it kind of sometimes seems eerily familiar uh, that sometimes it can feel like we're backed into a corner. It can sometimes feel like we're very uncertain as to what our next move would be. And un undoubtedly, 2019 is going to bring some moments like that where we're just wondering what's next, where we feel overwhelmed, we feel like giving up. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of things that can happen. Our enemy continually seems to be making these moves in our lives, and we know ultimately his plan is to take us down and take us out, and we work hard to try and figure out what our counter moves would be, and sometimes it feels like we have some margin of victory, and sometimes it feels like we're just defeated. And if you're like me, that painting can describe some of the moments that undoubtedly, if you look back over 2018, I guarantee you've had moments like that. I know I have. And so as we are walking forward into 2019, I wonder how those moments will play out for you. And I wonder if there wouldn't be an opportunity for us to just kind of strategically focus in together on what, it, what we might be able to do to prepare ourselves in advance for those moments. Would there be a way for us to kind of begin with the end in mind? Would there be a way for us to, to think about um, what it might look like to be able to experience a greater victory over our enemy than we ever have before? And so uh, we want to be ready, and that's what this series that we're walking into is about. And I'm excited about what I'm going to share with you today, and, and next week I'm going to uh, share a message that I've never heard this topic talked about, nor have I ever preached a message about this. And it's such a vitally important topic, and I really would encourage you to come back and then two weeks from now, for those of you that have been part of our lives and the story of our church, it'll be the one-year anniversary of when Josh got sick and almost died, my son. And if you don't know the story, come back, because we're going to share a little bit of that. Because um, I've talked Josh into helping me. <clears throat> so Josh and Beth and I will share some of the things that we've learned over this year. And it'll be fun. to see my kid walk up here. So one of the ways that we can <clears throat> have a victory this year differently, perhaps than we've ever experienced before, 
is that we would understand the value of and get serious about praying. And that can be an overwhelming thought for so many of us, uh, but what would it look like if we could develop a priority in our lives of prayer? Jason, can you mute me for a second? For those that are online, that would have been gross, right? <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so my main thought this weekend is this. God's power is rele- released in me when I pray. God's power is released in me when I pray. So can I, can I ask you a question? How you doing? How you doing with this prayer thing? Do you pray? Do you feel like you've prioritized prayer enough? It's awful quiet, right? <laughs> And here's what I believe with all of my heart. Prayerless people cut themselves off from God's peace, his power, his plan, his provision, his wisdom, the opportunity to be able to experience him directing our lives. And you know, we'd have to agree that it's rather surprising when we have this available to us, how often we're willing to settle for less in our lives. So I wonder what it would be today if you knew with 100% certainty that God would answer your prayer, what would you pray for? I've thought about that this week. And as you think about whatever that thing is that you would say, man, this is what I would, that I would pray and ask God to help me with, I wonder how often you've brought that before him. And what would it be that you prayed for? Would you ask God to help you um, with someone that you love that perhaps is uh, far away from Jesus or Um, a young son or daughter, that they would return? Would you pray for health? Would you pray for emotional health? Would you pray for a marriage to be put back together, for help in your career or finances? We need to pray. And let's be honest, we have lots of excuses for not praying, don't we? As a matter of fact, I think we're better at making excuses about not praying than we are about praying, for sure. And this is hard, you see, because we need to get serious this year about praying, and it's hard because it's such an unnatural activity. Because from the time you were born, you were raised to be self-reliant, to figure things out on your own, uh, struggling towards independence, and prayer seems to fly in the face of that, and it's an assault kind of on human autonomy and self-sufficiency, and if you're like me, I like to run hard and fast, and it seems like to slow down to pray can just be an inconvenience to that pace. And what we need to remember is that prayer doesn't just alter external realities, it also, and this has been my experience, it, it changes internal realities too so that I see with completely different eyes. My peripheral vision changes. My nearsightedness, my selfishness changes and I see things differently from an eternal perspective and that's part of what prayer does because it doesn't just change the circumstances around us, it changes us on the inside too. And the reason that that is true is because God's power is released in me when I pray. And yet, prayer is one of the hardest things that we do. And if you struggle with this, you are definitely not alone. This is another one of those things that we realize can be extremely valuable. Like it can be very helpful, and yet uh, it seems to be seriously neglected. Someone said that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. You might want to write that down. When we work, we work, but when we pray, God works because his power is released in me. When I pray, we don't have to look very far in Scripture to see countless numbers of examples of a prayer being a priority in the lives of those in Scripture. And perhaps the one <clears throat> that stands out to me the most is how often in the Gospels we see Jesus praying. We're talking about the Son of God here. And he prays with regularity. We see him praying, and there are times when he's praying through the night. We see times in the stories of Jesus' life where he's crying when he's praying. 
We see that there are times when people were healed with prayers. The Holy Spirit came upon him while he was praying. When he faced his most difficult time in his life, he is found praying. Before he went to the cross, he was praying for you and I and for the church. And finally, he died praying, hanging on the cross. And if that's not enough, the Apostle Paul said it this way in uh, Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6. He said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You might want to memorize these verses. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So there's something in that passage that's neat, and that is this. If there was a way for you and I to learn to have worry be a trigger to pray, we would worry less and pray more. If that could happen this year, it'd change your life. Just that one thing. The minute that you feel a sense of worry, if it was a reminder to you to bring those things to God, I think it would help us quite a bit. Now, that's a challenge. And what I've discovered along the path of prayer life, seasons where I'm doing better at that and seasons where I've not done well, the greatest thrill of a prayer life for me has been the true significant difference that it makes in my personal relationship with the Lord. It changes me. I'm a different guy when I pray. And I see things with faith-filled eyes in a different kind of way. See, ultimately, the reward is the relationship. <clears throat> and there's this interesting story in the Gospels where Jesus' disciples are, are hanging out with him, and they've seen Jesus pray undoubtedly. And if you uh, see in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And I love that question that they asked because likely if we had a moment with Jesus and we were going to ask some questions, this one would eventually work its way onto the list. Will you just teach us how to pray? Tell us what to do because sometimes it can feel overwhelming, can't it? Sometimes we wonder, well, where would I start? What do I say? How do I do this? And, and uh, they, they ask this question that you and I have probably asked many times before. Like, oh, I mean, how do you do this? Can you teach me to pray? And if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And our ears should perk up here because this is where Jesus answers this question, can you teach us to pray? And I want you to see how straightforward and simple, practical his words to us are. We're going to make some observations as we move along. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus answers this question. He begins with these three words, when you pray. And I want to stop there for a second. If you're taking notes, which I would encourage you to do today, I want you to write this down. Pray regularly. You see, he didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. There is this assumptive communication here that it's going to happen. You're going to pray. And so I want to challenge you this year as we head into 2019 to make this part of how you are navigating and working through this life and to be prepared for in advance whatever it is that we have to do. Let's not let prayer just be something we do in a moment of crisis. Let this be something that we're doing in even, even preparing for something that may happen. Uh, Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. He continues in verse five. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward that they will ever get. Can you write this down? Motives matter. Motives matter when you pray. To me, this seems that this becomes more important the longer you've been around church because we learn how to pray like a professional prayer, don't we? 
Have you ever heard that guy? You're like, what? That, do you have like a doctorate in prayer? That was unbelievable. I don't even know what you said, but it was, sounded so good, right? He's like, I could never pray that way. I remember years ago, we were in a small group, and uh, a friend of mine was in the small group with us, and I knew that he had had some ministry experience, and it was just all kind of new people that we hadn't met before. And at the end, I was like, hey, Bobby, can you pray? And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he prayed. That day, my wife got texts from everyone else in the group that said, please tell your husband to never ask me to pray. I have never done that out loud. And I get it. It can be overwhelming sometimes, can't it? What would I do? What would I say? But our motives matter. And I want to caution some of you that have been around for a while that God's not impressed with public displays of spiritual piety. That's not what prayer is about. Jesus is saying here, look, prayer is not a spectator sport. Make sure that you're not trying to give off an impression of spirituality. This should be a huge relief for all of us that wonder sometimes what to pray. You don't have to pray a professional prayer. You don't have to sound like you went to seminary. Just talk to God. And he continues in verse 6, and he says this, When you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So we're to pray regularly, and we need to be reminded that our motives matter. But listen here, this is a big challenge for Doug. Stay focused. Stay focused. Do you ever feel distracted? Because I believe part of what Jesus is saying here is, look, I know how you're hardwired, and I know how easy it is to get distracted when you pray. Have you ever had that happen? I'm going to pray for five minutes, and you may get like 10 seconds, right? The neighbor's dog barks, and you're like dreaming about puppies, right? Somebody just draws you to a different place. And so Jesus says, look, this is not a, a spectator sport. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you because I know how you're made. Find a quiet place, get away, and pray. Eliminate the distractions as much as, much as possible. I'm as ADD as anybody you've ever met. You, I mean, you would, you would be blown away to know what's going through my head even right now. Like, it's crazy. And that happens when I pray. So what I've learned is that I have to begin a time of prayer just saying, Lord, you know how I am hardwired. And I'm about ready to think about a million things, and I need some focus. So could you help me focus? Could you help me know what to pray about today? And it's amazing when you do that how things just become clearer and you are less distracted. So I would encourage you to do that. Basically, what he's saying here is don't bother fighting the distractions because you're going to lose. Instead, find a place. Find a quiet place where you can pray without interruption. Then he continues in verse 7, and he says this. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So here, this is the most probably important thing that I can say to you today, and that's this. Jesus' challenge here is pray from the heart. Pray from the heart. It's not like meaningless repetition. But I also want to say there's something very different between um, persistence and ritual. Repetition and persistence are different. I think we should be bringing things before the Lord, but God's not interested in a formula. How many times have you heard someone start their prayer? I am guilty of this too. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for this day, right? Isn't that how we begin? It's like rote. We're not even thinking. It's just, oh, time to pray. I know what I'm supposed to say. I love the opportunities that I've had to, to, to hear people pray from the heart. It's beautiful. <clears throat> and one of my favorite stories is, comes from my uh, favorite baptism story of all time. 
And there was this uh, young man who gave his heart to the Lord. He was in his uh, early 20s, and, and uh, he had never been really around church much at all. And so he had, uh, he had made a decision to say yes to the Lord and be the Lord of his life and all those things. And so it was time for him to be baptized. And I was a youth pastor at a little church in Illinois, and uh, we didn't have a baptismal tank. So we had to borrow the Methodists uh, church on the evenings of our baptismal services and use their baptismal tanks. And they were really great, gracious to let us do that. The only problem was they just didn't turn the heater on. And so the water was really cold. And so Jim got down into the water, and as he, the pastor kind of pulled him, you know, hey, it's your turn. So he stepped down into the water, and he was like, oh, in front of everybody, oh, he's like, it's colder than hell in here, you know? And I was like, oh, that is awesome. That is really bad theology, but that is awesome, you know? Like, we can work with his enthusiasm a little bit. And before he was to be baptized, the pastor said, would you mind praying? And he kind of looked, he's like, well, okay. He's like, okay, he's like, Heavenly Daddy, my heart was beginning to melt, and he said, I wish that I could just reach my arms up there and give you a hug. And I was like, wow. I mean, you got bad theology, kid, but I love your heart, right? Like, it is not colder than hell in that water tank, but your tender heart for the Lord is amazing. How come I've never prayed? I wish I could just reach up there and give you a hug. So what God wants is for us to speak from the heart. He's not interested in formulas, and he wants us to talk to him as though we're talking to a friend, authentically and reverently, of course reverently, but personally and earnestly. You see, the key is that he wants to hear what's on your heart. And so Jesus, in his teaching, continued, and I would love for you to write down Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's highly possible some of you have heard this before, but I want to share it with you. Because as Jesus is helping us understand how to pray, this then, he says, is how you should pray. And then he prays us. And I want to tell you that one of the things that I have learned that kind of keeps me from falling into the road of just praying the same things a lot is that I pray scripture. And so when I'm reading, I'll find a verse or a couple verses that I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That communicates something that I'd like to pray to the Lord. And it just gives me fresh eyes to pray differently. And this is one of those passages. And I would encourage you to use this as the words for your very own prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's what I would encourage you to do this week. Find a spot, a quiet spot, where you won't be distracted and open your Bible to this passage. Get it on your phone, or a smartphone or whatever and, and uh, just say, Lord, will you help me to make some observations in this prayer? the prayer you've asked me to pray. Would you help us to spur some thought and then just begin, read it and say, our Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And just think about what that would prompt in you to just communicate to the Lord and then just follow your way through that. This morning when I was going over my notes again to be ready for this morning, I, I thought, you know, what's cool is that the last part of that verse pretty much goes with the painting that we just looked at earlier. Because the last part says, but deliver us from the evil one. And so as we've been talking about what this new year might hold for us, there's going to be those moments where we wonder what our next move is and where we're trying to figure out what's next. And, 
And the advice that Jesus offered his disciples 2,000 years ago still applies to us today because, listen, guys, God's power is released in me when I pray. And it's released in you when you pray. So I want to go back to this painting that we started with just for a minute, and I want to tell you that um, there's a little bit more to that story because, um, you know, a few years later, there were two guys that were in Europe, and they were walking through a gallery that actually had this painting in it. And um, the story is an amazing one. Uh, the man's name was Paul Morphy, and he and his friend were walking through this gallery, and he saw this painting, and it just kind of drew him in. Have you ever had a painting that drew you in? You just wanted to look at it for a minute. And the reason that it drew him in is because he was a grandmaster chess player, champion. He was a real chess guy. And so he was very mesmerized by the painting, and he went and <clears throat> sat, sat down, or was walking in there, and his buddy was wanting to move to the next painting. He's like, you know what, I'm going to sit here for a minute. And so he sat down just reflecting on this painting that I've showed you today. And as he was looking at it, um, he really focused in on the chessboard because that's what you know, he knows. And all of a sudden, he got really excited, and he ran to the room next to him to where his buddy was. And he goes, dude, seriously, I don't know if this was what was planned. But I saw the gloating look on that other guy and the look of confusion on the young kid. And I focused on the chessboard, and he's got a move left. You see, the game's not over. He's calling checkmate, but I want you to know I could still win that game. And so he ran back in the room and he showed him what he would have to do. And a matter of fact, legend is that later he set the chessboard up exactly this way and proved that he could still win that game. Now, isn't that cool? Now, here's the deal. There's going to be a battle every single day this year. And many times you're not even aware of the battle that rages around you. Sometimes it feels like we're winning. Sometimes it will feel like you're losing. We can feel backed into a corner. It's likely you'll have some moments this year where you feel ready to give up. But in those times, we need to remember that we always have one more move. You see, we have the opportunity, you and I, one breath prayer away from talking to the grandmaster champion, the creator of life. And if he's that close and available to you and I, why don't we make this a priority, and that's what prayer is about because God's power is released in me when I pray. He knows where you are strong and he knows where you are weak. He knows what tempts you the most and he knows how to help you overcome. He will help you in your darkest hour when there seems to be no help in sight. He will always help you. Prayer works, there's always another move. And his power may show up in the form of uh, wisdom. I challenge you all the time, pray James 1.5. There's going to be a situation, if there hasn't been already, where you just don't know what to do. And you just need to say this simple prayer, God, James 1, 5 me. And watch what happens as these ideas come. Be careful not to take credit for it. You pray that prayer and watch what the Lord will do. Sometimes you're just stuck and you're feeling like you're in a creative drought and you pray. I do this a lot. Lord, I pray for creativity today. And all of a sudden, you get this amazing idea. You're like, wow, that's great. And it wasn't my idea. Or maybe you're going to have courage that's greater than anything you could muster on your own, confidence or perseverance. Perhaps he will give you an uncommon staying power. Or he might give you peace in a situation that's not peaceful. Scriptures talk about a peace that will blow our minds. Or perhaps it'll be a change of an attitude towards a spouse or a child or a parent or a situation at work or with a neighbor. Or it might be an altered circumstance, perhaps even an outright miracle. 
because God's power is released in me when I pray. And here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that we can talk about this, and I can preach about this, and you can read books about this, but guys, there just needs to be a moment where you and I make a decision to pray. It's not enough to just talk about it and learn about it, to know about it, to think about it. What we really need to do is pray. And so that's what I want to challenge you to do as we begin this new year. There's some cards on the chairs <clears throat> around you, and if you could just grab them real quick. I want to invite you to starting the next 24 days, starting tomorrow, with an intentional focus on prayer. So 24 days of prayer and fasting. And so um, what does that mean? That sounds scary to some people. Find something that preoccupies some of your time, and if you said, I'm going to fast that, it will give you some extra time to pray, and then you just use that time to pray. I remember one year where I fasted ESPN. It was brutal. <laughs> but I had some extra time to pray. Maybe you would uh, fast from Facebook or social media. Find something that preoccupies a lot of your time, and let's just make a commitment, 24, 24 days. You can do anything, 24 days. Maybe you would say, you know what, I'm going to fast my lunch. And so <clears throat> when I'm at work, I'm just going to have an alarm set that reminds me I'm not going to go eat lunch today. I'm just going to find a quiet place, and I'm going to spend some time praying. And in order for us to do this, I want to be able to send you some reminders throughout the course of the next 24 days. And so I would invite you to get out your phones right now and join a texting uh, thing that we'd like to do with you. And so there's going to be a number on the screen, 720-594-7076. You can take a picture of it, and you can do this later or do it right now. And you just type the word pray in that text to that, and we're going to send you some reminders throughout the next 24 days about um, praying. <clears throat> and then I'm really excited about this. Every day at 6.15 during the week, the work week, Monday through Friday, I want to invite you at 6.15 to join me on a prayer call. At 6.15. At 6.15, you'll be able to dial into this number and punch in the code, and either myself, one of our staff, or our team are going to lead in a time of prayer. And you can just sit there in the comfort of your own home, in your jammies, with a cup of coffee, or perhaps you could be uh, you know, in the car, commuting to work, or whatever that looks like. Um, I had someone say, 6.15 is rough. That's when I work out. I'm like, dude, treadmill, you got this. Just put it on and pray with us. You'll be fine. He's like, okay, we'll give it a shot. So I invite you to do this with us, and uh, we're going to do it Monday through Friday at 6.15 starting tomorrow, and I'd love for you to be part of that. At the end of these 24 days of prayer, we're going to have a worship and prayer night together, and uh, the ministry that we've been highlighting over the last couple of weeks that we've raised money for to be able to purchase a home for these girls to have a place to go that have been trafficked. Uh, the leader of that, the gal that's in charge of that, her name is Fiona, and she's going to be here from Spain on that night. And uh, I'm going to have her share with us some of the ways that prayer has been an integral part of what she does in the ministry to rescue these girls. So I think it'd be fun for us to do that together. Sound good? Listen to me. 24 days. I double dog dare ya. Just pray with me. Let's see what happens. Can you bow your head? Lord, thank you for a chance to be together this morning. Thank you for um, the opportunity that we have at any moment to um, connect with the creator of the universe, to talk with you about whatever it is that's on our hearts. As we look at this passage of scripture and reflect on the things that we've talked about today, Lord, will you help us just to become better at praying? To know it's not about formality, it's not a spectator sport, that we just need to do it. We should be praying regularly. Find a place where we can avoid distraction. Lord, we help us just have courage. I know that's a big deal for some that are here today because they've never made a commitment to do that. They've never done it. It's overwhelming to even think about where to begin. So will you help us as we 
make a decision over the next 24 days to say, I'm, not, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to pray. And Father, I know you're faithful. So will you help us in the middle of uh, the craziness that might hit this, this year to know that the grand champion of life is one prayer away. Lord, we ask you to be involved in those details of our lives and to help us in 2019 as we kind of turn it up a couple of notches in terms of the intensity of our spirituality, that we would connect with you in a different way, beginning with a commitment to pray. Lord, change us in the process. Change our church. Help us to be more effective than ever before. It's in your name we pray together.